1: you're listening to 5 Minute Folklore with me, Bob Shoy. This week we're going to look into Japanese folklore. I'm a big fan of Japan and their customs and beliefs and um, find it all very interesting, and especially their food. Uh, I visited there last year and really enjoyed it, so um, this was a fun one for me to research. But I wasn't aware of this story, although it is quite famous. Uh, Momotaro, it's more of a fairy tale style of story than what I've done before. Um, so maybe a bit more light-hearted this episode, but it's told to children and teaches them to be brave and um, fight injustice. I suppose, as Momotaro does in this story. So here's today's five-minute folklore. It's Momotaro or the Peach Boy. Long ago. An elderly Japanese woman was washing her clothes in the river when she saw a huge peach floating towards her. She picked it out and carried it to her home for her and her husband to eat.
0: Wow, look at the size of this!
1: Her husband said, and began to open it up with a knife. But as he did, a child crawled out and told them, I've been sent to you from heaven to be your son. The couple were shocked. They had never had children, and named him Momotaro. Under their care, he grew up to be kind and strong. Some years later, when Momotaro had grown into his teenage years, he left home. He had heard of a group of demons from a far-off island named Onagashima, who were causing havoc. He decided to take it upon himself to fight them, and put a stop to their pillaging and mayhem. When he first told his parents, I must fight them! They worried.
0: You can't go, Momotaro. It's too dangerous. But I must.
1: But eventually relented to his pleas and packed him some dumplings to take with him to eat.
0: Then take these with you and make sure to come back.
1: Momotaro made some friends that joined him on his adventure. The first he met at the edge of his own village as he had only just begun his journey. You're you're Momotaro, aren't you? Where are you going? (laughs) And what's that delicious smell? Momotaro looked down to see a talking dog. I'm going to fight the demons that reside on Onigashima. If you want to help me on my quest, then I will give you one of these delicious dumplings that are in my bag. The dog could not resist. I'll join you, he said, and ate his dumpling there and then. A little while later, Momotaro and the dog heard another voice.
0: Wow, what is that smell?
1: it said. This time, it was a talking pheasant, and again... Momotaro made the same offer. You can have one of these delicious dumplings if you help us fight the demons. The pheasant accepted, and they continued. The same thing happened one more time, when they passed a talking monkey.
0: If that dumpling tastes as good as it smells, then I'm with you,
1: said the monkey. With the party complete, their next destination would be Onigashima. After some time travelling together, they made it to the island and to the entrance of the demon's fort, which was locked.
0: Hmm. Leave this to me,
1: said the pheasant, as it jumped up and flew over the gate. The others heard the gate unlock from the other side, and the gates opened. Thank you, pheasant. They walked through and came to the horde of demons, who were all dancing and revelling. <laughs> Mamotori yelled at them. I've come to put a stop to your pillaging and disruption. And before the demons could react, he and his three friends charged. Ah! The demons were no match. Thanks to the delicious dumplings, they were full of energy, and their strength overpowered their foes, who cowered and retreated.
0: We We surrender! We surrender! We surrender!
1: They were shouting as they fled. The leader of the demons threw his arms in the air and fell to his knees. Momotaro, to his surprise, could see the demon had tears running from his eyes. Please, please, he begged. I surrender. Spare us. Take it all back, all the
0: treasure we've stolen. Take it.
1: They took the leader as their prisoner, and left to return to Momotaro's home village. Momotaro and his family lived happily from then on, and were wealthy, thanks to the excess riches they are taken back from the demons. I hope you enjoyed the story. Now, as usual, we're going to take a little bit more of an in-depth look into the legend and take a look at the origins, beliefs, influences and other things surrounding the story of Mamatoro. The story of Momotaro can be traced back to Edo period Japan which lasted from 1603 to 1868 and the earliest sources of this particular story seem to be from around 1753 now the name Momo translates to peach and Taro is a popular Japanese boy's name so Momotaro literally translates to peach Taro or simply peach boy and the island from the story uh, Onigashima can be translated to Demon Island. It's believed that the story has its origins in the Japanese city of Okayama. The city is so proud of this that it has a large statue of Momotoro outside the main train station, and many other statues of him and his animal companions, the monkey, the dog, the pheasant, throughout the city. And they say the head of the demon leader is buried in the grounds of the palace there. Uh, the palace is called Okamaden. Okiyama is also known for having particularly delicious peaches and is famous for its kibidango, which are the millet dumplings that Momotaro carries with him. The city holds a yearly Momotaro festival, but it's not the only place that has that. The city of Inuyama, which has a Momotaro shrine, also holds its own Momotaro festival uh, on the 5th of May every year. Now just like the city of Okiyama claims to be the source of the story of Momotaro, it's considered to be the setting of his hometown, The island of Megajima is thought of as Onigashima and that's mainly due to the man-made caves that are all around the island. Momotaro is thought to be an interpretation of an even older myth and that's Kibitsuhiko no Mikto. In that story, Kibitsuhiko sought out an ogre named Ura who had been terrorising the province of Kibi. So you can see there's an obvious similarity there and in some tellings of Momotaro, the demon leader is actually called Ura. World war ii, Momotaro was used in a lot of wartime propaganda. The story was used in a way that Momotaro represented the Japanese government and his companions represented the Japanese citizens with the United States taking the role of the evil oni. So the idea was that the citizens must support the government to defeat the evil USA. A famous propaganda film that played into this reading was made called Momotaro Umi no Shinpei which is translated to Momotaro's Divine Sea Warriors. The story of Momotaro has been retold in Japanese film, anime and manga numerous times over the years, including the aforementioned Divine Sea Warriors, and has also been published in many, many fairy tale books. There is a very well-known nursery rhyme in Japan called Momotaro's Song, which dates back to 1911, uh, and that goes like this... So translated into English, that's Momotaro, Momotaro. Those millet dumplings on your waist, won't you give me one? I'll give you one, I'll give you one. If you come with me on a quest to conquer the oni, I'll give you one. So it's kind of hard to fit into the tune with the English words. There's also a song Momotaro by Japanese group Wednesday Campanella, or Suyobi no Campanella, uh, which was very popular, with animated versions of it reaching sort of meme status over the internet. So I'll just play a little clip of that now, and you might recognise it. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There are a number of variations to the story due to changes over time or by the region it's being told in. There is a completely different beginning from an older version of the story, which starts the same. Elderly couple with no children... ...woman washing clothes in the stream... Uh, ...she carries a huge peach home... ...but Momotaro does not emerge from the peach... ...instead, the old couple cut portions of the peach off and eat it... ...and then have their youth restored... ...they feel totally reinvigorated and run to the bedroom where... ...passions run wild... um, ...let's just say... ...and this is where Momotaro is conceived... ...and then the rest of the story continues as usual... ...in some variations of the story... Momotaro grows up to be very lazy and has to be coaxed into action by his parents and by the townspeople to fight the demons. The version I told is thought to be more popular due to parents wanting to give their children a heroic role model, one that's brave, kind, strong and loving to his parents. The colour of the peach is something that varies uh, between red and white, and in some regions Momotaro just floats by in a box. Another regional difference comes in the companions that join Momotaro where in some places it seems the story of Momotoro has been mixed up over the years with another famous Japanese story, the monkey-crab battle. In these tellings, instead of being joined by the monkey, the dog and the pheasant, Momotoro is joined by characters from this other story. I'm just going to tell a condensed version of that story now. Long ago, a crab found a ball of rice and carried it home to eat. On the way, she was spotted by a crafty monkey, who convinced her to trade it for a persimmon seed. The crab took the seed to its home and planted it. Eventually, a tree grew from it. The monkey passes by again, and the crab asks, Monkey, will you climb this tree for me to collect the fruit? The monkey agrees, but once it gets to the top, it eats all of the ripe fruit for itself. Instead of sharing, the crab sees this. Monkey, that's not fair. I agreed to share with you, but now you have eaten all my fruit. The monkey grabs some of the hard, unripe fruit and begins to throw it at the crab. The crab cannot move in time and begins to panic. She is pregnant and gives birth as she dies. Later, the crab's children seek revenge on the monkey for the death of their mother. They gather together some allies, a bee, a chestnut, a large millstone, and a cow dung. One day, while the monkey is out, they enter its home and all hide. The bee in the water pail, the chestnut in the fireplace, the millstone in the roof, and the cow dung on the floor. And they all wait. It is a cold day, and when the monkey arrives back at its home, it goes to the fireplace to warm itself. The chestnut jumps out and burns the monkey, so it runs over to the water pail to cool its burn, when the bee jumps out and stings him. In pain, the monkey tries to flee from the house, but slips on the cow dung and falls down. The large millstone, still up in the roof, falls down onto the monkey and kills it. There we go, animate cow dung. A very strange story, right? Well, characters from that story have replaced Momotaro's usual companions in some regions of Japan, and in those tellings, Momotaro can be joined by any combination of a bee, a crab, a millstone, a chestnut, or a cow dung. The animals and objects in these were believed to have been possessed by spirits. The monkey-crab battle, otherwise known as the crab and the monkey, has many variations of its own. Sometimes, instead of a chestnut, there is an egg that explodes, obviously. And the cow dung is sometimes replaced by a piece of kelp or some oil. There is also a completely different monkey and crab story from Japan. It starts in the same way, but that one goes, and I'm going to read this from Wikipedia. The monkey climbs the tree and takes all of the persimmons. The crab advises him to hang his basket of fruit from a branch. When the monkey hangs his basket on a thin branch, the branch breaks and the basket of fruit falls. The crab quickly carries the fruit off and crawls down a hole. The monkey decides to defecate on the crab and sticks his buttocks down the hole. The crab quickly shaves the monkey's bottom, which is why to this day monkeys have hairless bottoms and hair grows on crab's claws. So yeah, another interesting story from Japan. thanks before I wrap up to James Mildenstein, Rick Dove, Rebecca Chapman, Malcolm Scheuer, and Karen Chapman for voices on this episode. It's been a really great first month for the podcast. After the first episode, I was featured on the front page of iTunes under New and Noteworthy and rose to number eight in the history podcast chart, which was amazing and surprising. Um, I received lots of nice messages from listeners, so please keep doing that. And if you want to get in contact, it's 5minutefolklore at gmail.com. And let me know what you want to hear me talk about. There's all the links to the various pages, Facebook, Twitter, etc. on the website. So just go on there, 5 if you want to uh, find any of those things. And if you want to help the show out, keep the iTunes ratings and reviews coming because um, they really make a difference. Next week, you're going to have a slightly shorter episode. It was actually my first attempt at putting one of these episodes together. So it may not be as polished as the others, but I still liked the story. So I wanted to put it out there. Uh, Plus, that's going to give me time to work on something else. I was originally intending for this show to only be fortnightly, but due to its popularity and how much I enjoy putting it together, I would love to try and make it weekly. Uh, But that is a lot of work, so we'll see. Again, if a Patreon is something you would consider contributing to, then let me know and that might be a way to give me more time to make the show continue to be a frequently uploaded thing. Music on this episode. Lots of people saying how much they enjoy the music on the show. Uh, The piece underneath the main story was a rendition of Sakura, which is a very famous, perhaps the most famous traditional Japanese folk song. The version I used was by Kasumi Watanabe, who is great. Uh, She has some really great music if you search her out. Obviously, I played Momotaro's song, The Nursery Rhyme, and a little of Momotaro by Wednesday Campanella. And the piece I used to break up this week's essay was by Kimio Ito, uh, he was a blind Japanese Koto player, and the song on this episode was Kazoe Uta, or Children at Play, which is his solo rendition of a traditional Japanese children's song. Also, the quiet Japanese flute music that played underneath the second half of this episode was Shakuhachi by Kohichiro Miata, and I really love that piece. I want to play one more song to end the show, uh, which I found on YouTube and really liked. It's called Hinamatsuri, uh, but I don't know who it's by so if anyone listening knows, please tell me. Anyway, thank you for listening.